All right, should I read this thing then, this excerpt? Mm -hmm. And I pray one prayer. I repeat it till my tongue stiffens. <laughs> Catherine Earnshaw, <laughs> may you not rest as long nope. as I am living. Nope, it's hard over. Why? Loosen that tongue up. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fire the Cannon. It's Jackie, your host. What? What? Is that how we do it? Is that the order we do things in? Yeah, where's that trademark squeak? <laughs> I decided not to do it this time because you made me fucking self-conscious about it. Mm, we can add it in post. You're going to just add it in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know well, how many squeaks he's got? <laughs> which word do I have to squeak on? Because I, it could be anything. Right? Hi, everyone. Like, yeah, but what if I decided to switch it up and just say like, hi, everyone. Welcome to Fire the Cannon. Ooh. I'm <laughs> a freaking squeaker. And I'm Rachel, your other host. And I'm Theo, the producer. Welcome to Fire the Canon. This is the podcast where we read the books in the Western Canon and we decide if they belong or not. Thank you for joining us this week. This is episode two of our mini series on Wuthering Heights. Yes, do you want to do a very, very, very quick summary, Jackie? Yeah. Very quick. Okay, hold on one second. That's a lot of pressure. Um, I, okay, it doesn't okay. have to be that fast. Just Okay, so, so to start, Lockwood is confused about whose is whose daughter and whose dad or something and then he says he's like, just naming oh, all his favorite like parts these cats and yeah then. <laughs> I knew he was gonna do that <laughs> okay so very brief summary of the first nine chapters of Wuthering Heights that we covered last time there are dead rats um, there's a narrator who is the tenant of Mr. Heathcliff and he's getting all of this intel about what happened in the past couple of decades from his housekeeper Nellie who used to also be the housekeeper for these other families that lived in the two houses the two houses are Wuthering Heights and Thrushcross Grange. She's kind of just describing all of what happened between uh, the members of the family. So little Kathy was a child when she was introduced to Heathcliff, who was uh, an orphan that her father brought from the streets of Liverpool and just installed in their house. And they grew up together and were wild together and were out of control together and probably are soulmates, but decided uh, or I don't know if they decided, but Kathy decided not to marry Heathcliff, even though she's his soulmate. She decided to marry the neighbor boy, Edgar Linton, who's very pretty and blonde and uh, well-mannered and... Gotta love him. Rich. Rich? Oh, I thought you said little bitch. He, that kind of too. He's a little bitch. Yeah. No, I like him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, Heathcliff greatly, greatly disdains him. Um, that's pretty much it, right? I mean, other stuff happens, but... Yeah, Heathcliff runs away at the end. Good job. Perfect. Okay. Heathcliff is starting a... a a, a pattern of behavior in which he runs away, then complains that Kathy isn't showing him enough attention. Hmm. He did that kind of a few times in smaller ways in the first episode as well. Hmm. Hmm. Like he would refuse to speak to her and then be like, why doesn't she want to talk to me? He runs away and then he's like, why doesn't she love me? He's got a point. He doesn't try to marry her. And then he's like, why didn't she marry me? He, he literally heard her say, I'm not going to marry him because it would be degrading to me to marry him. So he I'm not going to fault he him for that. He didn't even try. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to fault him for that. Well, he should have tried before that. What business do you have going around saying, I'm never going to marry him when you didn't get an offer of marriage? Well, they were soulmates. She knew that he would marry her. I think that's one question I had about this whole thing. When did they realize they were in love with each other or did they ever realize it and they always just knew it? Hmm. Was it like a big secret or something? It seems like it's not. I assume they didn't know when they first met because she picked on 
on him for a couple days. A couple days. So sometime between when she stopped picking on him and when she said, I'm literally in love with him. We never got to be there or be present for this process of the few days between when Kathy met him as a child, hated him, and then started like being his best friend. Mm -hmm. I think Emily Bronte probably made that deliberate decision to have the narrator not be present for those days. And it's just a total mystery Mm. as to what transpired then. Yeah, I mean, it had to be an, a deliberate choice because Nellie somehow saw everything else. Everything else. In right. the neighborhood. Does Nellie say she like went on a vacation and came back? Yeah, basically. I think she said, like, I went to town to get something. And when I came back, they were best friends. Wow. Yeah. It almost feels a little devilish, a little spooky. It's spooky. <laughs> I don't really think that, but I do kind of just want to add in more supernatural stuff. All right. You ready? We to had a freaking ghost. <laughs> you need more than that. <laughs> their, their love is supernatural and weird. And devilish and kind of spooky. And there's a ghost. <laughs> so we'll just say devilish and spooky every once in a while to add in a little more supernatural flavor. Yeah. Can you make a sound effect? Can I be a stinger? Please. <sighs> spooky crisp like that. Spooky crisp? Like a cereal? Don't they do that? Isn't that like a holiday rewrap of the box? Surely. What? I mean, they should. Spooky crisp? You know cookie crisp? <laughs> Where the guy says <laughs> cookie crisp. I'm saying don't they do like a Halloween version? Oh, yeah, they do. They do? It's been done. Yeah. Spooky crisp. Wow. All the good ideas have been had. Oh, my gosh. And you'll never believe it. What? It's like a ghost on the front. <gasps> a ghost of their normal mascot or a totally different ghost? What is their normal mascot? Is the normal mascot a, a cookie? I think he's a wolf. Yeah, he's a, a wolf. wolf. A cookie. Yeah. He's a wolf that says cookie. Cookie Crisp. Yeah. Man, you remember a lot about Cookie Crisp. I think I... I, I that's literally the only thing. I don't even know if I've had Cookie Crisp. <laughs> For a girl crisp. who didn't have cable, how did she That was one of the five <laughs> yeah. DVDs that Rachel has. Yes, commercial, serial commercials. <laughs> Best commercials yeah. of the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, I think I just, I think I just pushed them out of my mind because they were such a disappointing serial. Really? You know what's really good is Reese's Puffs. Oh man, I could kill some Reese's Puffs. Kill them. Yeah. It's Reese's for breakfast. Oh my gosh. You guys ever had a cereal Sunday at Tristan and Andrew's house? No, yeah. 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 <laughs> you didn't? Yeah, I was just there this past week. <laughs> Why would you even ask? <laughs> Do you know what it is? You told me. This is what I would always eat at my friend Tristan's house growing up. When we would have a, we'd have a sleepover, and then in the morning we would eat a cereal Sunday, which was you'd get a big tall cup, you'd put a layer he's, of, he's holding his hands about four inches apart now. You get a, a layer, huge cup. <laughs> yeah, you get a layer. You get a layer of Reese's, and then you put a layer of whipped cream and a layer of Reese's, and a layer of whipped cream, and then you just like stir it up, and it'd be like the best parfait. Just a cereal Sunday. Reese's Does that make up cups? That's a parfait. Uh, Reese's puffs. puffs. Yeah. So the only thing different from regular cereal is that you use whipped cream instead of milk. Yeah. And it's so good. That's the other difference is that it's so good. You would eat a giant thermos full of whipped cream and candy. <laughs> it basically. wasn't a thermos, but it was a big cup. I don't know if I own a cup this big anymore. I, I don't think I've ever owned a cup this big. What if it turns I, out? Sorry, that... it's not about the cup. It's about the cereal <laughs> sundae. It's, you guys, you have to try this. It was so good. It's funny because it gave me energy for the rest of the day when I was a kid. But... And now it saps your energy instantly. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. And it gives you a stomach ache before you're finished with it, I bet. Yeah. I bet I could yeah. eat it just fine. You don't know how big this cup is, Rachel. I've seen you eat tiny portions of things and think like, oh, this is a really big cup I'm eating out of. I've also but eaten large portions of things. Compared to this. I, I have to stop myself. Like I could easily, every time I don't eat a whole pizza, it's because I'm holding myself back. <laughs> Let's just put it like that. Really? Yeah. yeah. Every time I don't eat every can of tuna in the vending machine, it's because I'm exercising a lot of restraint. Uh, yeah. Hold on. 
we got to go back for a second. What if the entire first season of this podcast and the first episode of season two was all just like the lead up to a recipe? One of those blogs where it's like, let me tell you a huge long story about my grandmother (laughs) and where she grew up. And then like what we used to do together when we visited her as kids and stuff. And then like you have to scroll down like eventually after 30 (laughs) gigs of information, there's the recipe. Cereal whipped cream. (laughs) What if this whole podcast was just the lead up to Theo's recipe for cereal Sunday, And it's just like Reese's Puffs whipped cream Reese's Puffs (laughs) (laughs) and we didn't reveal that in the season finale or the first episode of the second season it was the second episode of the second season where we reveal perfect time so we're gonna put that on our website like if you want to get to the recipe you're gonna have to go through all this stuff first (laughs) you're gonna have to go through us first yeah all right all right let's move on (laughs) so first chapter 10 we open with our narrator Mr. Lockwood very sick he's out for like a month And he says at one point that Heathcliff visits him with some dead birds to eat, I guess. And he tells Nellie to tell him the rest of the story. So she gets back into it. She says, after Kathy married into the Linton family, which if you recall, her husband's name is Edgar and her new sister-in-law is named Isabella. So she says, Kathy was actually very well behaved at first because basically everybody just did whatever she wanted. So she never had a reason to be a brat, which I guess is one way to handle things. Soon after the marriage, Heathcliff shows up again and he just like pops out of the darkness one night to Nellie and says, hey, tell Kathy I'm here. Yeah, she's outside picking apples and all of a sudden Heathcliff pops up and she acts like she doesn't recognize him, which I'm confused about because she's probably only met like 40 people in her life tops. And this has got to be like the only black guy. (laughs) (laughs) I guess three years when you're a teen, it can be a big deal. But finally, she's like, oh my gosh, I recognize him from his eyes. And the rest of his face and his voice and his what? Yeah, everything. (laughs) Although he's totally changed now. He's looking more gentlemanly, I guess. Hmm, He says, I want to talk to Kathy. Pass on my message. I'll be waiting outside basically forever. The whole rest of this book basically is a game of telephone with Heathcliff saying like, pass it on. And then Nellie goes inside. Okay. Oh. Yeah. It's just going back and forth. Lucky for Lockwood, he asked the one person who was present for everything what was going on with these people. (laughs) It was hugely instrumental in shaping everything that happened. I feel kind of bad for Nellie. We'll get into that in a second. Well, she lost me a little bit in this section. Yeah, no, no, no. She does, but... (laughs) Well, I like her. All right. All right. We, we ran the gamut. So Nellie goes inside and she's like kind of scared to tell Kathy that he's there. But finally she does. And Kathy is so excited. She like runs outside. And then Nellie tells Edgar, oh, by the way, yeah, that's Heathcliff. What? So he opens the window. I know she's constantly tattling. And remember, Edgar doesn't like Heathcliff because he got a face full of hot applesauce from him one time. Yeah. Yeah. Also, they're love rivals. <laughs> Whose side is Nellie on anyway? Right now, she's definitely on Edgar's side. Oh. They're love rivals, but Kathy is saying, he's my greatest, dearest friend. And if you're my husband and I love you, you have to be his friend as well. Been there. Yeah. He hasn't had to deal with that yet because luckily for him, Heathcliff had disappeared for three years. <laughs> mm-hmm. But so he he yells out the window. He's like, oh, uh, if you're going to talk to him, bring him in. And then you guys can go talk in the kitchen because he's just a servant. And Kathy's like, are you kidding me? I'm your wife. I'm not going to talk in the kitchen. We're going to talk in here. And you can sit at a separate table with your sister if you'd rather. And I'll sit at like a servant table with him, whatever. So I guess he kind of ignores that. So when Heathcliff is talking to her, he has a tendency to just like 
He tells everyone his diabolical schemes with no <laughs> prompting. He's talking to her and she's like, oh my gosh, it's so good to see you. And he says, yeah, well, my plan was I would look in the window, see your face once, go to Wuthering Heights, murder your brother, and then kill myself. Wow. <laughs> but instead, it was all ruined because I saw he's your like, face. But and you were like, so happy wanna... to see me yeah. that I decided not to. But if you're ever not happy to see me, I've still got plan B. <laughs> but... She doesn't say anything like you crazy uh, ha, 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 right. or don't do that. She just like continues on. Nobody so says happy. anything. He has that, that habit left over from when he was a child and he would say to Hindley like, okay, you're going to give me that horse. And if you don't do that, I'm going to go and tell your dad that you beat up on me and all this stuff. And he told Nellie like, tell him. I'm going to get revenge on Hindley. Yeah. Well, boys will be boys. <laughs> boys so, will be boys. Yeah. Catching a glimpse of their true love's face, killing her brother, killing themselves. Typical boy stuff. Painting the door with the blood, throwing guy off of the garret. (laughs) Catching a baby and then wishing they hadn't. Just boy things. Yes. So after he leaves, he stays for a couple hours. When he goes, Kathy apparently like talks to Edgar about how great he is and like how he's looking so fine now and she's so happy to see him. She's so happy. She could so have every happy. horrible thing happen to her in the world and she would still be happy because she's She so tells Nellie that she's like, I tried to tell Edgar all this, but he was like telling me he was sick and had a headache and then he started crying. Yeah. And Nellie said, obviously, because he hates him. You wouldn't talk about Edgar to Heathcliff, would you? So she says, look, but why, poor Edgar, <laughs> I know she says, I have such faith in his love that I believe I might kill him and he wouldn't wish to retaliate. And Nellie's like, uh, you should value that quality in a husband, girl. Is that a valuable quality? I feel like that's red flag. His devotion. <laughs> Wait, who might kill who? If she ki- if she killed Edgar, he wouldn't even be mad at her. Yeah. Like, oh. he loves her that much, and he just is going to bend to her every will. Yeah. And then she's like, okay, I see your point. I'm so happy. <laughs> and she says, I'm going to go make up with him right now. Good night. I'm an angel. And runs off. <laughs> a little foreshadowing, don't you think? <laughs> Maybe that should be our sign-off for the podcast. Good night. I'm an angel. <laughs> Goodbye. We're all angels. <laughs> Every time you hear the, the stinger, an angel gets its wings. Mm. And that's us. So Heathcliff continues to visit, and he comes more and more frequently. And poor little Isabella gets a crush on him. And Kathy finds out because Isabella tells her, like, you were so mean to me when you walked off with him and left me alone. Yeah, she starts getting annoyed with Kathy and just, like, kind of being rude to her all the time. And Kathy's like, what is your deal? What? Do you, why do you have a problem with me all of a sudden? And she says, because you wouldn't let me walk with you in Heathcliff the other day. And Kathy was like, I didn't think you wanted to hear what we were talking about. And she was like, well, I did because... I love him. And then yeah. she kind of just like blurts it all out. And Kathy's like, you're kidding me, right? Like, he's a monster. He's a straight up monster. He'll destroy you. She says he's an unreclaimed creature without refinement, without cultivation, an arid wilderness of furzy and windstone. I'd as soon put that little canary into the park on a winter's day as recommend you to bestow your heart on him. But of course, Isabella is a teenage girl with a crush and she's like how dare you say that you're supposed to be his friend I'll never believe such things yeah she's like you're clearly just jealous and you don't want him to love anybody but you you don't want anyone to love anybody but you so you're gonna go ahead and just try to you know crush all of my love for him yeah she's like if you would stay out of my way then I could win his heart anyway when Heathcliff comes back next time Isabella is very embarrassed and wants to leave and Kathy's like no you can't leave you told me you want to be with him all the time listen to this She has a crush on you. She like holds Isabella by the arm and tells Heathcliff 
how much she's been like tormenting herself and it, it's it's an unbearable scene. It's really mean. Yeah. And poor little Isabella is like struggling to get Digging free. Digging her claws in. Yeah. Kathy finally lets go because Isabella is like gouging at her with her fingernails. <laughs> and then yeah. she lets her Dang. run away. And Heathcliff says, well, it, it's... You might be joking with me, Kathy, because it's clear she wants to be rid of my society now. Yeah. Very mean. But it turns out he seems a little bit interested because he says, now she's Edgar's heir, isn't she? And (laughs) Kathy says, well, you know, hopefully she'll have a bunch of nephews to take the spot. She says, like, also, you're not supposed to covet thy neighbor's goods, and these particular goods are mine, so quit it. (laughs) And he says, hey, if they were mine, they would still be yours. And then that's like the end of that chapter. (laughs) Their arguments are all so weird because they just claim to be the same person and then it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Like, Rachel, you said I made you mad. Well, I'm you and I made myself mad. So whatever. Yeah, so (laughs) we're done. (laughs) I feel like if you're going around telling everyone about your devilish plots to murder people, you don't want to start saying things like, Oh, and she's Edgar's heir, right? (laughs) She gets all his money if your husband, whom I hate, dies. (laughs) He's not trying to hide his nature from Kathy at all. And he even says to her that Isabella is not tempting to him in any way at all. Like she's not even worth his regard. Yeah. But you can tell that he's starting to kind of form some little ideas. So in chapter 11, Nellie finally does get to see Hareton again. He is the son of Kathy's older brother and the current heir to Wuthering Heights. So it's been 10 months since she last saw him, but he doesn't recognize her at all. And he's a huge brat, like threatens her and won't let her in. So she ends up walking back home and on her way, she sees Heathcliff and Isabella like sneakily meeting and like sees him kiss her, it seems like. Mm -hmm. So she like runs in and tattles, (laughs) of course. And Kathy... When she's talking to Heathcliff, um, he's like, oh, don't be so jealous. And she says, I'm not jealous of you. I'm jealous for you. Marry her if you want to. I don't care. And he gets really, really angry when she says that. And she's like, oh, so the problem is that I'm not jealous. He says, if I imagined you really wished me to marry Isabella, I'd cut my throat. Wow. Like, what a weird. <laughs> he's got- There's just doing they're doing everything opposite. What do you mean? He knows she doesn't want him to marry Isabella so he's gonna marry Isabella and if she wanted him to do it he would kill himself because that would mean that she's not in love with him yeah they're 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 wrapped up in some weird knots man yeah so so Nellie leaves they like kick her out and Kathy is arguing with Heathcliff Nellie tattles to Edgar who gets really angry obviously and then he comes into the room And he hears that Kathy and Heathcliff are, like, arguing with raised voices. And when he gets in and he tries to tell them off, the two of them both start mocking him, like, really (laughs) meanly, saying, oh, you're such a baby. Like, quit acting tough when you're not actually going to hit him. If you're not going to apologize or just get beat up by Heathcliff, you should leave. Yeah, They're so mean. So then... At this point, Heathcliff shoves the chair Edgar is sitting in. He pushes the chair and immediately Edgar springs out of the chair and punches him in the throat. It takes his breath out and he starts choking and then Edgar like walks away to get back up. 
What's really funny is that for the previous several paragraphs, Heathcliff has been saying like, you're not even worth it. I wouldn't fight you no matter what. And Kathy says like, yeah, him fighting you would be like the king sending an army to crush a colony of ants. He would never try to hurt you. And then as soon as Edgar punches him in the throat, Heathcliff's like, I'm going to fight him. (laughs) She locks him in the... She's she's always like trying to keep people in the room where they don't want to be with Heathcliff. So Edgar wants to leave, but she takes the key, like locks the door and then throws the key into the fire. And then Edgar's just stuck there so he has to punch him in the throat basically (laughs) so anyway so it's it causes a big drama and Heathcliff leaves and Kathy is so upset she tells Nellie like as punishment for that I'm going to break their hearts by breaking my own and the whole time Nellie is like "Mm mm-hmm yeah sure sure basically just rolling her eyes at how dramatic everyone is being which is kind of funny because it feels like this is almost a commentary on a gothic novel instead of one of the earlier gothic novels because you have this character Mm -hmm. who acts like a normal person around the everyone who's caught up in all the drama Mm. so it's it's kind of interesting but uh edgar tells kathy look you have to pick one you can have me or you can have heathcliff but you have to pick and instead of picking kathy throws a fit she like slams her head over and over into the couch arm and like bites at her lips until her mouth bleeds. After she throws this violent, violent fit, she runs up to her room and locks herself in for three days and won't take any food or water and doesn't come out. And she kind of acts like a brat. She's mad that Edgar hasn't tried to check up on her. And then she starts throwing another violent fit, like trying to open the window and physically fighting off Nellie, who runs off to find Edgar and says, like, I can't control your wife. You have to help me. Yeah. And he realizes that she is sick and not just pouting. And he tries to blame Nellie. But she kind of pouted herself into sickness. Like, how did she do this voluntarily? That's what I'm (laughs) wondering. She, at this point, is acting very weird. She tells Edgar the next time she's able to go outside on the hills. Will be the last time. It will be when they bury her. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. She says, it's going to be the last time you're going to bring me out there, meet me on the hill, and then you'll come back and I won't, basically. Yeah, and she says, don't bury me in the church. You have to bury me outside. And it's your choice if you want to be buried with your family or me. So it's just very strange because at this point, it's like, why are you talking like this? You were just pouting alone for three days. How old is she? I think she's... 19, 20? Yeah, maybe maybe 20-ish. This has got to be the devil. (laughs) (laughs) But it wouldn't be... Not the devil if she was a different age. 45, totally normal behavior. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I could kind of understand saying something like that if you're like 80. Oh, Oh, like (laughs) you you had dementia or something? (laughs) Oh, saying like, you need to bury me somewhere. Yeah, like talking about how you're going to die. Like, this is my last time locking myself in a room for three days. (laughs) Yeah, it's almost funny. Um, Can't keep this up like I used to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's almost funny, except that you can see where it's going. Like, she's saying things like, how can Edgar just be sitting in a library reading books while I'm dying? And how can Heathcliff be just like walking around outside while I'm dying? I'm dying. Everybody knows it and nobody cares. And Nellie's just like, yeah, 
you're fine. You're going to be fine. You just ate some food. You're going to feel better tomorrow. So Nellie like runs off and she goes outside and she finds that Isabella's dog is tied up. She learns Isabella and Heathcliff have eloped. The next morning she tells Edgar and he says, well, I guess I won't talk to her anymore, but I'm not disowning her. She disowned me. And that's the end of the chapter. He's focused on his sick wife. Doesn't have any time to spare for his sister. Yeah. I feel like if I were Edgar, I would think like kind of made a mistake marrying this person. <laughs> yeah, you would. <laughs> and they've only been married for less than a year, right? Just like a couple months, honestly, I think. Yeah, because a little bit later when it starts to become springtime, he says, oh, Kathy, last spring here I was wishing that you would join me in this house. And now here you are. <laughs> yeah, it's a year <laughs> and later. And things are already going way <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> so chapter 13, two months pass and it turns out that Kathy has a brain fever. Ooh. So. What, you've never had a brain fever? I don't think so. <laughs> I've got a fever for brains. Is it like a disco fever? Like she just can't get enough of it? I've got a fever and the only cure for it is more brains. More brains. <laughs> <laughs> She's a zombie. Yeah. I mean, if you did have a fever eating up your brain, then I guess the cure would be replacement of the brain more brains more brains. placement of the brain is that your medical diagnosis yeah she's a suffering something awful with replacement of the brain gotta go to the spirit halloween rx just write me a prescription for more brains <laughs> then it's legal yeah i don't know my insurance is kind of crappy though. i don't think i would pay for it darn oh well plan b Okay, so... Won't pay for that either. It's a Catholic hospital, Rachel. Nice. Uh -oh. Getting political. So Kathy predicts her death yet again. Well, she, yeah, people should stop believing her after a certain point, right? Well, we'll see. Yeah. So Isabella sends <laughs> a really long letter to Nellie, and she tells her like, oh, you know, give my love to Edgar and Kathy, blah, blah, blah. Okay, now here's the part you're not allowed to tell them. My life here sucks. It's so bad, and everyone is really, really, really mean to me. She goes to visit Isabella at Wuthering Heights, and Joseph meets her at the door. Vinegar-faced Joseph, the old guy who's always, like, quoting scripture. Nellie says... Can you come in with me and help me find Isabella, right? And then he says, mm -mm -mm. Did ever a Christian body hear anything like it? Minchin and munchin. And Nellie says, I thought he was deaf, so I repeated what I said. <laughs> <laughs> she thought he was deaf. Like she says, I say like was, I he wasn't responding to anything. He was just saying that. <laughs> yeah. She said, Joseph, whom I followed to the stables, I requested him to accompany me in. And he responded. Mm-mm-mm. Minchin and munchin. <laughs> what? <laughs> how do, okay, how do you spell can, that? What do you Minchin and munchin. How can I tell what you say? And Nellie says, I say, I wish you to come with me into the house, thinking him deaf. Minchin and munchin? What does that mean? Minchin and munchin. Mm-mm-mm. It means complaining. Minchin oh, <laughs> and munchin. Isn't it munching? It. <laughs> or is it spelled it, it says munching? Minchin and munching. Yeah. Minchin it's just so and munchin? Is he German? <laughs> Minching and munching. That's what it says. <laughs> but I love that he says, how am I supposed to be able to tell what you say, Nellie? You're so incomprehensible. <laughs> yeah. That's what he says? He says, how can I tell what you say? Wow. They're all weird, all these people. Yeah, but he's the only one who I really feel attached to. Really? You feel attached to Joseph? He's what about funny. Mr. Lockwood, the one who confuses rabbits for dead cats? No, dead rabbits I for cats for like rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, he goes the other way, too. I like him, too. <laughs> 
Dead cat like, equals live rabbit. Dead rabbit equals live cat. So he looks at the things on the couch and says, are those your favorite cats? But they were really rabbits. Dead but rabbit skins, I think. I like to think of it kind of like a sitcom, and that would be his signature gag. Every episode, there's got to be some point where he mistakes a dead rabbit for a cat or the other way around. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you don't like that? I mean, that's just a lot of dead animals in a sitcom. But, 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 but go ahead. Well, it could be the same one. The same, the same one. one. Well, I, he sees I, the same <laughs> animal just rotting and rotting and rotting over the course of the season, and he's like, "Is that yeah. a cat yet?" It's the rule of threes. <laughs> yeah, and then and then yeah, the other actor turns to the camera and says, "He's just not getting it." <laughs> <laughs> we gotta teach this guy a lesson. <laughs> yeah. How many times will she teach you this lesson? All right. So when Nellie shows up, of course. The only thing Heathcliff wants to talk about is Kathy. So he says, basically, he couldn't love as much in 80 years as I could in a day. And Catherine has a heart as deep as I have. The sea could be as readily contained in that horse trough as her whole affection be monopolized by him. He is scarcely dearer to her than her dog or her horse. It is not in him to be loved like me. How can she love in him what he has not? So he's saying, like, I used to be worried that she cared about him, but now I'm not at all. I can tell that I'm way better. He's so unlovable. I'm not even having to worry about it. Yeah. So when he says I could love more in a day than he could in 80 years, he could have proved a point for Claxton in like probably 12 hours. Uh, yes. Yeah, sorry, Claxton. <laughs> I don't necessarily think it's about loving. You don't think so? <laughs> well, I think if you're saying your marriage was entirely to prove a point, it's not about the point you're proving is probably not love. <laughs> <laughs> You don't think the point was, I love this woman so much. Okay, so at this point, Isabella sticks up for her brother, but Heathcliff, of course, is a huge dick to her, and he says stuff like, so the mean. only good thing about her now is that she's finally figured out that I don't love her at all and never did. Yeah. Like, she's so <laughs> dumb, I didn't even have to lie to her to convince her to marry me. He's just really, really, really mean. Yeah, he says, I told her how I was, and she decided she wanted to marry me anyway, so she's an idiot, and this is her fault. Yeah. And so <laughs> Isabella tells Nellie, like, do not tell my brother what things are like for me over here because Heathcliff wants to have power over him. And if my brother finds out and he wants to save me, you know, that gives Heathcliff the power. So she says, I would rather myself die or, hey, Heathcliff could die. Both of those are fine. <laughs> she says that in front of her husband. Yeah, no, they're they're not hiding any of this from each other. And they've been married, what, a few days? Yeah, I mean, it's, it hasn't been long. They've just gotten back to Wuthering Heights, I guess. So since their honeymoon ended, it's only been a couple days. You know, Heathcliff can love more in two days than most people could in 80 years, <laughs> yeah. right? So, so that was like 160 years of love. Yeah. <laughs> to prove a point. They're kind of tired of each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he says the day after their wedding, she wanted to go home. Yeah, the morning. <laughs> yeah, the morning of. The one funny thing that Isabella says is, he is ingenious and unresting in seeking to gain my abhorrence. He's so genius with all the different ways he makes me hate him. Yeah, he really is. So he gives Nellie a note to pass on to Kathy. And she says, all right, I'll do it. So Nellie is giving Catherine this letter from Heathcliff. And she just says, here, ma'am, there's a letter for you. And Kathy is sitting there like the picture of like living tuberculosis, basically, like totally pale, wearing a white gown, long, uncombed hair, just kind of like sitting on her shoulders, staring out the window pensively, seeing some other world that's not there. And she, like, tries to hand her the letter and Catherine, like, lifts up her hand and then just, like, 
can't even close her hand around the letter and just lets it like fall on her lap. And eventually Nellie has to like pick up Catherine's hand and just put the letter in it and say, it's from Heathcliff. And then she's like, <laughs> and she wakes right up and opens and it. And perks up. But then she looks at it and she, it's like she can't understand it. So she looks at Nellie helplessly and Nellie is like, let me translate for you. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> she is really committed to this, this bit. Just this bit. Dying. Yeah. This, yeah, this dying this, bit. <laughs> yeah. This wasting away bit. Yeah. She's she doing. is a natural born comedian. I admire that. Yeah, yeah. so funny. So... As soon as she gets the letter, basically, Nellie's like, oh, my gosh, it's Heathcliff. Some dogs start barking and she realizes he's coming to the house and he basically like yeah. what is, almost hold on, sorry, immediately. What is the point of giving a letter? It's like, here, here's a letter from you. Also, he's standing outside. Also, he's coming up the he stairs He could right sense now. when she got it, I guess. But he. <laughs> Why give a letter? Just come up. <laughs> well, he wanted her to have a warning, he said. The letter just says, warning, warning, Heathcliff approaching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here I come up the <laughs> yeah. stairs. And by the time you read this, I'll be in front of you. Yeah. At the end of the sentence. Yeah. Look up. Here I am. First of all, the warning doesn't count for anything because what can she possibly do to get ready in the amount of time that he gives her? And also like the warning could have just been like, hey, Nellie, tell her I'm on my way up instead of like cram this letter into her hand and make her read it. Because Nellie said, like, don't come see her. You're going to make her more sick mm -hmm. if you surprise her. And he's like, just ask her if I yeah, can here, see her. This counts. I'm not surprising <laughs> I'm going to warn her and then just ask if she wants to see me. But instead of waiting to hear an answer, he like comes she up. She had but multiple seconds of headway. True. <laughs> she wasn't surprised. So he somehow is able to find the room she's in almost right away. Like, he looks in one room, but then he immediately finds the room Kathy's in. Wouldn't have been impressive in my house or in Thrushcross Grange. Exactly. Probably. So what I was going to say is, I know what it's like, and I've realized what my soulmate is, and it's Moomin-based apparel. Mm -hmm. Do you guys know the Moomins? Because of you, I have to. No. I can show you a Moomin, or I guess not. But So basically, they're, this Finnish cartoonist came up with them. They're these little white, they're called Moomin trolls. They're very cute. They look like uh, bipedal hippopotamuses. when we were at Steven's apartment and we played that to serve man game, Rachel had Moomins all over. I've yeah. got Moomins to my right. I've got Moomins to my left. <laughs> Moomins to the left of me, Moomins to, to my, my right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, they're very popular in Finland and very popular in Japan. Those are like the two countries that have Moomin themed parks, like Moomin amusement parks. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to buy some Moomin clothes. And when I went to Tokyo with my friend Jordan, I didn't know if there was a Moomin collaboration. I went into a, it was like a four story high Uniqlo. And obviously I can't read Japanese, but as soon as I went in, I just like, Immediately, like I went to an escalator, went up some stairs and then walked right to some Moomin stuff. And when I got there, I was like looking at the T-shirts and dresses and everything. And Jordan was in complete shock. She's like, how did you do that? I have never seen anything like that before. It was like you were a magnet being drawn directly to these Moomins. But I have no memory. I, I remember seeing the store and I remember being at the Moomin clothes. You like just dissociated. Something took you over there. Yeah. And Do you think I a Moomin inhabited your body and was like, buy some stuff and with like, me did, on it? Did Jordan say how you maneuvered the escalator? Like, how was your body moving during this time? Was it? We'll get her on the pod and we'll find out. <laughs> anyway, so Nellie is watching while Heathcliff and Kathy are just like kissing and kissing and hugging and carrying on. And it's just embarrassing, honestly. <laughs> All right, cheek kissing or kissing kissing? It doesn't like specify, kissing, kissing. but I think it's kissing. I'm pretty he sure. Said, it says he kisses her all over. He says he kisses her a lot. And then she, Nellie says at one point she kisses him instead of just being kissed. And, <clears throat> and then they're kissing. And then he can't like take it anymore. And, and they're just like so passionate and they're just yelling at each other. And... Nellie's watching like a real wow. creep. And, yeah. So do you want to say like what they're saying? Because so Kathy is basically like, 
you killed me. You're my murderer. It's your fault. Like, and he's saying, how could you say that? You're the one who killed yourself. And then by you killing yourself, you're also killing me. He says, you're about to die. Remember, these are the last words I'm going to remember about you. Are you trying to make me suffer as much as you are? Yeah, like you're about to die, but that's going to be fine. Imagine me walking around this earth all by myself without you. Yeah, you'll be peaceful. I'm going to be miserable. And so they're (laughs) kissing, embracing. She's pregnant, seven months pregnant, we forgot to mention. So after she blames him for her death and he's like, don't blame me for your death. She says, okay, okay, okay. You you didn't kill me. You would never hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about these two. And he says, how do you feel about me? You know, you're going to be at peace, but I'm going to be tormented. And then Kathy says, I shall not be at peace. She moans and her heart beats visibly and audibly. She's so agitated. Whoa. And everyone's like, ooh, 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 ooh. okay. Don't, <laughs> don't excite her. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah, now he's interested in marrying her. <laughs> no, it's not a sexy thing. She's very no, ill. he's just fascinated. <laughs> so then Heathcliff apparently is still so proud that he can't let his true love see him upset while she's dying. So he, like, turns his back on her for a while. Then... Kathy talks about him to Nellie. Then he turns around again and they embrace and they're both weeping finally. So he actually is crying and Nellie makes a snide remark like, oh, so I guess he can cry when it's a big deal. <laughs> Why did she say that? I don't know. It, was there another time when he was supposed to cry and he didn't? I don't know. His entire childhood when he was getting beaten up and he was just so rude that he didn't even cry. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. what it is. <laughs> the narrator says, they were silent, their faces hid against each other and washed by each other's tears. At least I suppose the weeping was on both sides as it seemed Heathcliff could weep on a great occasion like this. I grew very uncomfortable meanwhile. Yeah, finally <laughs> I am not it. into this. <laughs> Over, It took a while, but I did eventually become uncomfortable. You know me, I love to spy, but yeah. this is a little far. <laughs> so finally they're talking and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry for what I've done. Can you please forgive me? And he says, I forgive what you've done to me. I love my murderer, but yours? How can I? Now that we've established you're dying because of yourself, I'll just say I can't forgive you for making yourself get a brain fever. (laughs) (laughs) I could forgive my brain fever, but yours? Yeah. Never. It's very strange. So then the church is let out. They hear the bells and Nellie's like, you got to get out of here. Her husband's going to be back soon. And Kathy will not let him leave. Like she's holding him really tightly. She's like, you can't leave. This is our last time seeing each other. Well, we know how to break that grip. We know how to break Kathy's grip. Yeah. <laughs> Clawing. Oh, you mean like, no, sawing. I was thinking on the window. Oh. Clawing or sawing. Clawing or sawing. Those are the ways. Clawing or sawing. Oh, let me count the ways. Two. Minchin and munchin. Two minchin and munchin. That's four. So Linton shows up because Heathcliff's like, fine, I'll stay with you. And if he finds me like this and puts a bullet in my head, then I'll die happy. So now they're both thinking they're going to die. So Linton shows up. And at this point, Kathy is totally passed out. And Heathcliff hands. And Nellie says, (laughs) oh, good. She's dead. It's over. Yeah. So Heathcliff hands her floppy body to her husband and is like, deal with her first. Don't worry about me. And then runs away (laughs) and tells Nellie, I'm going to be hanging out in their garden all night. So just give me an update tomorrow morning. And that's the end of the chapter. (laughs) He hangs out in the garden for six hours. That's so many hours. Yep. It's pretty funny. Chapter 16 starts and baby Catherine is born premature at seven months and her mother, Kathy, dies. So just, (gasps) yeah. So to keep things simple, I'm going to call her daughter Catherine all the time. 
Can I tell you what my solution to all of this would have been? What is sure. it? Get yourself a hobby. <laughs> like, I feel like none of these people have any hobbies. Instead or of writing this book with confusing names, <laughs> Emily should have gotten a hobby. <laughs> uh, I meant all the characters should have had hobbies. Because if he just has time to just, like, sit around in a garden for six hours, like... He could have been transcribing our podcast. What if he were a composer? That would have been... He would have thought, you know what? I'm going to go back and engrave some some of the music I've been writing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to just stand around in this garden. <laughs> he could have written a wonderful song about it. Oh, yeah. He could have. Theo seems a little jealous that his personal life isn't this passionate and turbulent. It's because you spend too much time not standing around in gardens. It's true. Uh, I thought you were saying that because I made the rule that no one's allowed to tell me to write a piece about it anymore. <laughs> well, I've already <laughs> broken that rule and I'm going to continue to do so. I think that uh, the audience is not going to know what that means. <laughs> to the audience, here's what happens if you're a composer. Uh, somebody drops a glass of milk. They turn to you and they say, write a piece about it. I've never done that, by the way. Here's what happens when you're Rachel. Someone says somebody and you assume it means you. (laughs) Well, I'm the one he told the rule to. It was for everyone. Literally anything that happens, someone will turn to you and say, write a song about it. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like, come on, guys. I'm not your... Little monkey on a string. I'm not your little bard. I'm not your little monkey Monkey on a stick. stick. Yeah. So (laughs) just saying, treat the composer in your lives better. (laughs) What he actually said to us was, I hate when you're a composer and everybody's always just asking you to write songs as though that's so out of <laughs> yeah, the, the breadth of what you he should be doing. You realize doctors are constantly being shown rashes, right? And moles and everything. And they <laughs> actually help people. Maybe you should write a song for once. They don't. Maybe you should become a doctor. Yeah. And nobody would ever ask you to write a song. <laughs> you know what? My cousin is a doctor and his defense against that is he says, I charge blank an hour. I don't know how much he charges. Wow. Sounds like a bit of a jerk. My dad is constantly removing moles for people for free. Yeah. In fact, against their will a lot of the time. I should just say what my rate is. I guess I need to figure out a rate. I'll never pay yeah. you. Figure out if a you rate. ask me for money, I'll never pay you. <laughs> if you don't ask, I might pay you. So just bear that in mind. It's Rachel's gambit. Okay. So you're saying someone drops a glass of milk and says, write a piece about that. Anything that happens, they say, write a piece about it. I'm just trying to mash this up with a doctor and I'm imagining someone going to you and being like, my tonsils are real swollen. Can you write a piece about that? I would not be surprised if someone said that to me. Well, now that it's on the podcast. (laughs) Honestly, I I really wouldn't. Or someone goes to a doctor, spills some milk on the ground and says, fix that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think you're focusing a little too heavily on the milk thing, Jackie. I just meant (laughs) that anything. He doesn't want to write music. That's why he's a composer. (laughs) Yeah. And it's absurd to ask him to do it. The point is that almost nothing. Look, he's starting to take off his jacket because he's getting ear. Almost nothing is a good foundation for music, but everything is suggested to me all the time. By almost everyone. nothing is a good yeah, foundation for music. True. Are you insane? <laughs> Name something and I'll tell you if it's good or not. Milk. <laughs> Terrible. I bet there's been good songs written about milk. Maybe jingles to advertise milk. (laughs) Sprinkling bacon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not good. It's great. All right, let's move on. Yeah, thanks, Theo. Okay. All right. So, baby Catherine is born prematurely. I'm just trying to use our platform for good. I'm never going to stop telling you to write songs. (laughs) Fine, go ahead. All right. So, okay. At this point, Kathy's dead. And while her body is in state, Nellie goes in to see it. And she notices a little like tuft of blonde hair on the floor. And she looks and she, she realizes goes all Sherlock Holmes mode and realizes where it comes yep, from. Yep. She solves it. Wait, Theo, can you guess? 
Where'd that hair come from? So it's Kathy's body. Her body's laying in the coffin and on the floor is a little lock of blonde hair. Is that not Edgar? Yeah. It is. But what's it doing on the floor? Why is that so shocking? (laughs) Because Heathcliff went in to see her body, saw her locket, opened it, took her husband's hair out and put his own hair in. (laughs) And then Nellie picked up the little blonde hair and intertwined it with Heathcliff's black hair. Twisted the two hairs together and put it in the locket. Oh my gosh. (laughs) She's a meddler. That's going to ruin all of their... Plans. All of their plans. All of the the ghost activities, all of their undead life. There are times where I'm like, I feel so bad that Nellie is in the middle of this because sometimes she doesn't want to be or she claims she doesn't want to be and Heathcliff like forces her to or Kathy forces her to. Yeah. But sometimes she just does stuff of her own accord that she has no business doing. Like this. It's so funny. What kind of juju are you messing with? She loves with? to be involved. <laughs> it's obvious. But she wasn't tempted to put her own in there yeah, too? Let's get some more <laughs> hair in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> what if that little tuft of blonde hair belonged to like a dog? You know, like she doesn't know what the or fuck like that is. like a dead rabbit. Yeah. I think she said it was like wrapped at the end. Yeah, yeah, One yeah. of the many dead rabbits laying around. All right, Theo, you love dead rabbits. I'm not going to bring them up. Yes, you are. I'm not going to bring them up ever again. And you're going to miss it. Just do it. <laughs> the new Nike slogan, just bring up dead rabbits. <laughs> so Kathy is buried in a corner of the churchyard instead of in the church. And it says like the wild plants have kind of spilled over the wall. And then Nellie says, by the way, her husband is buried next to her today. Huh. So she gives us a nice little spoiler. <laughs> Edgar's dad. Yep. Well, it has been 23 years. He was like 23. <laughs> he doesn't have to be dead. So in chapter 17, Isabella Heathcliff arrives because she, you know, she married Heathcliff. So she took his singular name as her last name. And she has like blood running down her neck. And it turns out she's been running away from her husband. And she's just stopping there to get a change of horses. And then she's going to go into town. Change of horses. Yes, exactly. I know. It's just funny to imagine like, hold on, I'm just going to stop and change my horse real quick. Can you wait outside? Yeah, I don't like this one. I'm going to slip onto something more comfortable. A different (laughs) horse. (laughs) Oh, this whole thing. It was my mother's. Last season's horse. <laughs> so she says, yeah, so, "What? What? Say I it. Could just go. I could no. I could just go on with that joke train forever. Go ahead. Go on. Say one more. Yeah. Say one more. Prove that you could do it forever by doing one more. Yeah. You know, it's just like sometimes the things you get at Target are just like so hit or miss. Like I have some horses from Target that I've had since high school, and then I get a, I got a horse at Target last week. It fell apart after two days. Mm. It's ridiculous. Wasn't as good of a joke as it could have been. Wait, well, because I'm thinking about horses falling apart. You are? <laughs> yes, she just said it. Oh. Yeah, why would you think about that? Nasty. I was so focused on, is this true about Target? And is this slander? No, it is true. I do have shirts, not horses. Huh. I don't know okay. if it could be slander if you say that you bought a horse at Target. Oh. <laughs> <It> fell apart. <laughs> I want to do that. Like, just try to ruin different businesses by accusing them of ridiculous things. Like, <laughs> yeah. this car Dunkin' Donuts sold me sucks. They're not known for their cars. Oh, one time I saw giant trash bags full of Krispy Kremes behind the Krispy Kreme. Like, totally clean, clear trash bags with just donuts inside. Like big enough to fit the whole store in? I could have fit in one of those bags. Wow. They were just full of delicious glazed donuts. And mm. I was so tempted to take one of the bags because it was just a bag, a trash bag only of donuts, like no trash. There were, you know, like six of them, just donuts. But what you don't know is that somewhere in that bag, there's a single Q-tip. Used? Well, I I can't say it would still be worth it because I didn't even take the donuts, but I really, 
uh, it's I think about it. That's I just was like I couldn't do I couldn't eat all those donuts. I would love to have a bag full of donuts. <laughs> I, you know, the reason I decided to forego the trash bag full of donuts I found behind the Krispy Kreme is just because of my temperance. Yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't. <laughs> I knew if I took the trash bag, I'd eat the whole thing. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with taking totally fine food yeah. from behind a restaurant, by the way. If anyone else has stolen a donut, any of our audience ever taken a clean trash bag full of donuts, I salute you. Yeah. Don't you think they would taste like the trash bag? I feel like trash bags kind of have a sense No, you just take some from the middle. It, it was the a middle? giant, it wasn't a normal trash bag. It was a giant like, trash bag. There. there were hundreds of donuts that did not yeah, touch I'm, the I'm, edges I'm at all. I'm imagining you just, you just reach Stick like your arm elbow in. deep yes. into a bag of <laughs> like donuts. Like you're just delivering a cow or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, and your whole forearm is just glazed after that. What's wrong with that? Uh, sticky. Sticky is wrong with that. You can wash it off. Yeah. It's like the Midas touch. Like, she just glazes everything. It's the she Midas touch. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, you get everything sticky that you touch. It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, can you just imagine someone coming around with, like, a, a glazed forearm? It's not gross, because I only touch the middle of the bag. <laughs> So anyway, Isabella says that Heathcliff had been gone from the house since Kathy died, but he just reappeared and he wants to come in the house. Hindley tells her, I'm going to shoot him. Just be quiet and I'll kill him for both of us. She's like, I can't let you do that. I'm going to have to warn him. So she lets him know, but he thinks she's plotting to kill him. She's like, look, I'm telling you that Hindley's going to kill you. And now that I've told you, you can come in and get shot or you can stay out. I don't care. And so then Hindley's like, oh, you're talking to him out the window. And he like tries to stab him through the window. What? But Heathcliff grabs the knife from him and there's a scuffle and Hindley's wrist gets a giant gash and he's just bleeding all over the place. They're always trying to do things through windows. <laughs> do things without windows in the way. It's a family chain. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of feel like, like, can't you just take the 30 seconds to go to the door and outside and go over to where Heathcliff is? He's very drunk all the time. It, it just mm. doesn't have the same Panache. joy de vivre to it. Mm. Yeah. So then Heathcliff, <laughs> like, bandages Hindley up, which is nice of him. And I thought Joseph, I, it took me several like re retries of reading this passage to figure out if Heathcliff had killed Hindley or not because he says that like he dragged his body into the pool of blood. Mm -hmm. Pool of blood. How is this guy alive? This happened to Becca a week or so ago. She was dragged this into a pool thing. of blood. <laughs> really? Yeah. A man punched through the window and stabbed her. She was drinking a mug of tea and she dropped the mug and she went to pick it up but she accidentally slammed her wrist onto a shard of porcelain and she got a giant, really deep gash in her wrist. Mm -hmm. And she was like, had a pool of blood all over the place and she had to go to the hospital and get it stitched up. And she's like, doesn't have full use of her fingers right now still. And someone dragged her through a pool of blood? Kiahi did. <laughs> To get her to the car. <laughs> Who's that? Her roommate. Uh, <laughs> I refuse to believe she dragged Becca through a pool of blood and then like piled towels around and was just like, well, someone nurse her back to health now. Who's to say how big a pool is? So Isabella is telling this story to Nellie. And she says, yeah, I was purposefully like making remarks at Heathcliff, trying to make him angry and like using Kathy's death against him because she says I could see that he was suffering a lot, but I didn't have anything to do with it. 
And I wanted to have something to do with it. And Nellie's like, hey, come on. Hey. She says, no, he sucks. I would it's actually like rather. Theo makes when we fight with each other. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey. hey. Don't upset hey. Heathcliff on Don't purpose. use your husband's true love's death against him. <laughs> hey. Ah, naughty. Don't so do she that. says, I would rather him actually suffer less as long as I was the one who caused the suffering and he knew that it was me. Okay. I don't know how to phrase this, but this book is full of stuff like that where one character says, I wish this other thing would have happened as long as it were totally absurd, then I would be okay with it. (laughs) So in response to Isabella's needling, Heathcliff throws a knife at her and it gets stuck in her head and she pulls it out. And then she says she threw another cruel remark at him in response. Wait, wait. Say this again? He throws a knife at her. It gets stuck in her head and she says something sassy. She like pulls it out and says a sassy <laughs> oh, remark. Oh, oh, I've, I've got a good sassy remark she should have said. Okay, what is it? <laughs> knife one. And then takes the <laughs> knife out. Yeah. So, okay, Isabella escapes because Henley and Heathcliff like are grappling with each other. So later on, the doctor tells Nellie, oh, guess which of our friends died? And she's like, is it Heathcliff? (laughs) And he says, no, it's Hindley. (laughs) He says, yeah, he drank himself to death. And this is the same doctor who, who Hindley once put head down in the marsh. So he's pretty pleased, right? Yeah. But Nellie was raised, she apparently, she was the same age as him, and they were raised together as children, so it was almost like a foster brother, and she just, like, sits down and cries and cries, because she remembers when he was a little boy. Right. So then they're thinking, hey, this is great, we can get Hareton back, because he is Kathy's nephew, so... The only relative he has is Edgar Linton, and she wants to get him back, but Edgar is, like, too distraught about his wife's death, so he doesn't really seem to care that much, which isn't great, and it turns out Heathcliff wants to keep him. In the next chapter, 12 years have passed, which Nellie says were great for her. And this is kind of funny because you remember our narrator was mad when she tried to jump forward three years, but this time she jumps forward 12 and he's fine with it. He's like, let's get to the end. He's like, all right, that kitten's been licked. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. Or at this point, I'm also thinking like, I mean, all the characters that I cared about are dead now, so. Time to care about more characters. Yeah. You only cared about Catherine and Hindley? And the and the rabbits. <laughs> okay. Well, they started dead. Sorry, I said I was going to stop bringing them <laughs> they up. They started dead. Maybe they're going to come back. <laughs> I would have been like, can you back up a few more years and talk about the rabbits? What if that's like the narrator sticks his hand out the window and is grabbed Grabs by a, a tiny, dead cold little, yeah, a little rabbit paw. And it's like, let me in! You made fun of us earlier. No, you have it all wrong. I thought you were a live cat. An honest mistake, I assure you. I was just unlucky. <laughs> That's your favorite part, for I'll sure. I'll move on. No, yeah, he can't is, move on. He said he was I'll... never going to mention it again. That was like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> all right. Okay, 12 years have passed. Nellie says that Catherine is spoiled, but she has a better nature than Kathy did. Mm. So she also is very, very sheltered. Her dad really won't let her leave their property, which, you know, he doesn't want her to run into Heathcliff. And she has this fascination with a place which, if we were on Zoom, I would make Theo or Jackie have this as their Zoom name, which is, I'm sure it's pronounced Peniston Crag, but it's spelled as Penis Tone Crag. Isn't that a weird, a weird name for a rock? So one day, Kathy, like, walks off with her little pony and some dogs, and she disappears, and Nellie finds her at 
Wuthering Heights. And Heathcliff is gone, luckily. So she is hanging out with Hareton and with a servant woman. At first, she's like, uh, so are you the son of the master of this house? And he's like, no. She says, oh, so are you a servant? And he gets really angry about that. And then the servant woman says, actually, he's your cousin. And Catherine gets very angry about that. And she's like, there's no way this guy is my cousin. He's so dirty and blah, 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 blah. She's just a little bit of a snob. So we learned that they had like come upon each other and their dogs fought. So he took her back to their house, separated the dogs. He shows her all around the nature areas and she has a really fun time, but she kind of ruins it by being like, ew, this gross boy, there's no way he's my cousin. So after they leave, Nellie says, you have to keep this a secret from your dad or he might get so mad that he takes me away from you because you're not supposed to be at Wuthering Heights. Nellie, such a meddler. Yep. So in chapter 19, we learn that Isabella has died. Edgar had gone to see her before the death, and he returns with her son, who Theo, his name is Linton Heathcliff. Oh, God. <laughs> so we're going to call him Linton. Okay, let's just call him LH. Let's call LH. him by his name. And then the two houses get together, and they have Wuthering Grange. Thrush Cross Heights. <laughs> okay, let's not... I'm worried that's actually going to confuse Theo. <laughs> okay, so Linton is the son. And, and, then, he, Ca- and then Catherine, Catherine. Catherine, Catherine. And Sir Han, Sir Han. I'm really worried we're going to confuse Theo, Jackie. <laughs> I would love to go on this joke journey, but I am worried. <laughs> we need like a joke safe word that I can say whenever I'm getting too confused about. Help. The, <laughs> yeah, just help. That's the safe <laughs> Dead rabbits. No, you'd say that too much. Popcorn. So he was born soon after... Catherine. He's like six months younger. Mm. Heathcliff had figured out that his wife had a son and he knew where she was living, but they'd kind of worked it out that he wasn't going to take the son and he would pay for her to live there. But he said, like, if I wanted to take him, I could just get him anytime I wanted to. But for now, it's fine. And this is Heathcliff's son. Yes. His name is Linton Heathcliff. And he is very frail and blonde. Edgar returns and Linton and Catherine get along really well. They're having a nice time. And Edgar says, oh, you know, if he lives with us, she will eventually get him to, you know, play more and get some energy and blah, blah, blah. It'll be really good for him. But that night, old vinegar-faced Joseph arrives and says, Heathcliff sent me to take him, and I have to take him right now. And Edgar kind of gets a bit of a backbone, and he says, no. And then Joseph's like, yeah, I'm going to take him. <laughs> he really grew a backbone there. <laughs> a bit of a backbone. And then Edgar says, look. <laughs> Just one <laughs> He's a frail, sickly boy, and he's already asleep. We're going to keep him tonight, and then we'll send him back tomorrow. And Joseph says, well, just be careful, because tomorrow morning, Heathcliff's going to show up and get him. How old do you think Joseph is by this point? He's got to be like 140 years old. He's probably like 48. Like the way people (laughs) aged back then. (laughs) I just, he was ancient before and now it's been like over a decade later. Yeah. 12 years. (laughs) Yeah. Well, first three years. (laughs) When the story started, he was 15. (laughs) Old Joseph. (laughs) Vinegar face Joseph. Yeah. I mean, he's what? He's probably in his... 60s now, something like that. That would make sense to me. He's probably weathered as well. Weathered. All right. So that's the end of that chapter. And in the next chapter, see, we're going to zip through the end. In the next chapter, Nellie delivers Linton to Wuthering Heights early in the morning. And she's like telling him a bunch of lies on the way saying like, oh, yeah, 
you know, it's your dad. You're going to love him. He's going to love you. You can visit your cousin all the time. It's so close. Your new house is going to be great, blah, 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 which makes me mad. Like, come on, Nellie. And when she drops him off, Heathcliff talks more in front of everyone to Nellie about his revenge plan. Mm. He's like, my son sucks, but I want him to rule over Wuthering Heights and Hindley's son to be his servant. And it's going to be great. Mm. But my son really, really sucks. Wait, why does he suck? Because he's blonde and frail and a wimp. Like he cries a little bit and he doesn't want to eat porridge. Like uh, at one point they try to tell him to sit on a chair and eat some food. And he says, I can't sit on a chair. Yeah. I'm like, sit wherever you (laughs) want. No explanation. (laughs) Why can't you sit on a chair? (laughs) Yeah. So he just doesn't like him. He reminds him of the Lintons. And when he heard that his wife had given the son that name, he's like, well, I guess she wants me to hate my son too. Mm. Done deal. He's Yeah, consider it done. <laughs> I hate that baby. <laughs> it was a real stretch, but I managed it in the Yeah. <laughs> but I've put in so much practice hating literally everyone else except Kathy yeah. that I was able to do it in the end. Yeah. So that's the end of chapter 20. In chapter 21, we learn that Nellie and Edgar have been periodically getting news about Linton. And the news is not great. He is a brat too, which she says it's because he hasn't gotten any love and affection. And also his dad has ordered all the servants to give him whatever he wants because he's so sickly that I guess Heathcliff is like, we got to keep him alive long enough for my revenge to work. So don't anyone make him mad. (laughs) So now he's a brat too, which Nellie is constantly saying, oh, this kid brat now. This one also a brat. Yeah, because I didn't get to raise them. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> Although she raised Catherine and Catherine is a bit of a brat. Yeah. So who's to say? Nellie and Catherine are out walking one day and they accidentally run into the Wuthering Heights crew. And this time Heathcliff is with them. And he says like, oh, hey, uh, come on to my house. There's a boy there who you know. And Catherine says, oh, I don't think so. But yeah, let's go. <laughs> and the whole time Nellie's saying, don't go there. Don't go there. She's like, I've got to see if I know this boy. <laughs> wow. Very easy to kidnap. People were so naive back then. Yeah. Really? You drive past in a white van and it's like, hey, there's a boy in here, you know? You know this, yeah. (laughs) Come see who it is. She's very gullible. So while they're walking, Heathcliff is telling Nellie his evil plan, which is, I want my son to marry this girl because Edgar won't like it. Mm -hmm. So he says, I want them to fall in love and get married because Edgar will be really upset if she marries my son. Mm -hmm. He says a bunch of weird stuff about Hareton. He really hates his own son and he really likes Hareton. Like he admires him a lot and he thinks that he has a lot of really great qualities. So it's great for him to ruin him basically like it's good revenge and he says he is so weird he says like my son sucks but I'm polishing him up. He's a piece of tin and I'm polishing him to look like silver. Whereas Hareton is like a piece of gold and I'm just smothering him in trash. And his dad, if he were alive to know this, he would be much more upset because his son actually has a chance of being a good dude. But I'm purposefully making him an ignorant, stupid dude with bad habits. This is what I'm saying. Like Emily Bronte was trying to do something Shakespearean, but psychologically. Yeah. Yeah. And Nellie's just like, ugh. 
<laughs> if somebody said that to me, I would have a lot more to say. <laughs> Ugh, more weird logic. Can't follow this. Yep. Dang, she has a good memory, though. Who, Emily? She really does. Very uh, Nelly. Nelly. Oh, yeah. It's funny because at one point, Lockwood says, uh, I'm going to write this exactly the way Nelly told it. I'm going to compress it a little bit, but she did a great job. <laughs> this is Heathcliff's little speech about Harriton because it's so weird that I want to just read it. He says, so he asks Nellie, like, did I ever look as stupid as he did when I was his age? And she's like, you were way worse because you were so sullen. So she's like constantly giving it back to him, which is pretty funny. Everyone's fine with it. I don't know why. But he says, <laughs> I have a pleasure in him. He has satisfied my expectations. If he were born a fool, I should not enjoy it half so much. But he's no fool. And I can sympathize with all his feelings, having felt them myself. I know what he suffers now, for instance, exactly. It is merely a beginning of what he shall suffer, though. So he's purposefully trying to create a love triangle with these three cousins mm. to get revenge on this dead guy who won't know anything about it. <laughs> he sees that Linton is a being a little bit snobby towards Hareton, and he's like, ha ha ha, I'm recreating this. It's going to be awesome. Mm. So he's trying to make all of these teens fall in love. Yeah. It's like smashing them together like Barbies. Which would be a great anime premise, I have to say. Forcing teens to fall in love. <laughs> yeah, if it were cute. But if this isn't cute. cute. <laughs> like, imagine just like a meddling old man being like, uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah, true. So he says, yeah, that Hareton is gold put to the use of paving stones and Linton is tin polished to ape a service of silver. So, yeah. And he says also even better, Hareton is really fond of me. So if his father rose from his grave and scolded me for how I'm treating him, he would get mad at his dad because he really loves me. Isn't this awesome? Look at my great revenge. Yeah. Just uh, preparing for the, the ghost argument. Yeah. If that did happen. I would win. The ghost argument? Like if he rose up from his grave and was mad, just wanted to go ahead. Oh, and, if yeah. he argued, I thought you were saying that you personally would win a ghost argument. <laughs> no. But Heathcliff hasn't seen a ghost yet, right? Right. So I don't think he's prepping for a ghost argument. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just trying to figure out why he cares so much about showing this dead guy that he's getting revenge. He just hates him. He just wants the revenge. He's thorough. Yeah, I guess revenge is his hobby. Haley <laughs> is what he believes ruined his chances of marrying Kathy. Which is true. Yeah, Kathy had said, if Hindley hadn't ruined him like this, I would have married him. I would have thought nothing about marrying Edgar. But I did because of what Hindley did to him and how he ended up as a person. Yeah. <sighs> so he's really the source of all of his misery. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he sucks. So Kathy says, oh, is this guy really my cousin? And Heathcliff says, yes, he is. <laughs> So once they leave, Catherine is forbidden from visiting Wuthering Heights again. But it turns out Nellie discovers that she and Linton have been writing each other secret letters and they've been like confessing their love. And she's reading them and says like, these are so embarrassing. This poetry is so bad. How humiliating these love letters are. They're so badly written, which of course. So she steals the letters. And when Catherine says something to her about it, she says like, please don't show my dad. Don't tell my dad. You can burn them. So Nellie starts to burn them and then Catherine says, wait, can you just give me a couple to keep as a memorial? And Nellie's like, no, I'm going to burn all of them. So she's burning them. And then poor little Catherine like reaches into the fire to grab the letters, but she just gets like scraps and burns her hands. Mm -hmm. And then Nellie says like, 
for that, I'm going to keep some of these so that I can show your dad if I feel like it later. Whoa. Yeah. So she keeps most of them. And then she sends <laughs> Linton a note that says, uh, Catherine's not going to talk to you anymore. And that's the end of chapter 21. Gosh. Yep. So much of this book hinges on tattling. On Nellie tattling. <laughs> that's why I said it's like a game of telephone, the entire thing. She really did orchestrate this. For sure. Wow. I don't think I want a Nellie in my life. <laughs> Did you think you might? Yeah. So chapter 22, Nellie and Catherine are going out for a walk and Catherine kind of like climbs a tree and drops her hat and she climbs down onto the other side of this wall to get the hat. And then it turns out the wall is locked and they can't get out. So she's stuck. And then while she's stuck behind this wall, Heathcliff rides up and starts talking to her. And then Nellie interjects and he's like, oh, Nellie, you're on the other side of the wall, <laughs> which is very lucky for us. And he's telling her, um, <laughs> he says, do you think there's more than one Nellie? Like how many Nellies do we think are in any given place at one time? <laughs> she just picks the most interesting character, I guess, and sticks to them like glue. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff she missed. Yeah, like you know? the two of them becoming friends. Yeah. It's the one like, thing she doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> so he says, hey, my son is dying because you abandoned him and you have to go see him or he's going to die and it'll be your fault. And also I'll be gone for all of next week. So you should just go to my house or else you're going to kill my son. <laughs> mm. And Catherine really wants to go. Nellie's like, no, he's just being, he's exaggerating. There's no way that's the case. He wants her to fall in love with Linton and Linton to fall in love back so they get married and adult Edgar gets upset and then he wants Hareton to be in love with Catherine but be thwarted so then he's getting his revenge on Hindley it's ingenious diabolical you might say mm -hmm. so Catherine convinces Nellie to let her visit Linton she says like please just let me see him one more time so that's the end of chapter 22 chapter 23 they show up at the house and she sees Linton and he is sick, but it, of course, has nothing to do with her. And he's being a huge brat. They have a really big argument about their parents because Linton says, you know, your mom was in love with my dad and hated your dad. <laughs> my dad told me that. <laughs> Good source. <laughs> Solid. Yeah, my dad said that actually he's the cool one and your dad sucks. <laughs> Anyway, so they're arguing about their parents and it's kind of weird because, you know, of course, none of them know anything about their parents. Catherine's like, oh, you're, well, your mother left your father. And he says, no, she didn't. So they're really arguing and they don't know what's up. They should just ask Nellie, obviously. I'm sure she'll give a straight answer. Yeah. It'll take her several months of storytelling. But so <laughs> they end up making up because Catherine is worried about him and she's like, oh, I can't. I'll feel so bad about making you even more sick because while they're arguing, she pushes his chair a little bit and then he has this huge coughing fit and he says, you shouldn't have hit me. She's like, I didn't hit you. Uh, I just pushed your chair. But also if somebody pushed my chair with that little push, I would be fine. I had no idea this would happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, how insulting. It's like she found the cheat code. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine promises that she's going to visit Linton again. And Nellie's like, no, you're not. And while they are walking away, Nellie seriously disses Linton. It is uncalled for, I would have to say. 
Catherine says, oh, he's such a pretty little darling. I would make a pet of him if he were mine. And after we were used to each other, we would never quarrel. Don't you like him? And Nellie says, like him? The worst tempered bit of a sickly slip that ever struggled into its teens. (laughs) Happily, as Mr. Heathcliff conjectured, he'll not win 20. I doubt whether he'll see spring indeed and small loss to his family whenever he drops off. Gosh. (laughs) She says, lucky for us, his father took him because the kinder he was treated, the more tedious and selfish he would be. Talking shit about how someone's about to die. (laughs) You have interacted with him twice. Yeah, and he's like a 13-year-old boy. She says, thank God he's going to die any day now. Yeah, he really struggled to make it this far. But (laughs) So do you see why Nellie has lost some of my esteem? Um, My good opinion, once lost, is lost forever. I can't stop thinking about the person who wrote this. Like, how do you think Emily Bronte came up with such nasty things? Like, physical gore, emotional (sighs) torture, crazy insults. (laughs) I don't know. I I have to say, like, this is the similar kind of thing to what I experience when I watch, like, a very tense, like, action movie or something or, like, a Marvel film. Everything is on the line and the tiniest slip could just destroy everyone and everything. And at a certain point, I'm just like, just let it happen. (laughs) Aren't you tired? Oh, it's Yeah, like, who cares? Like all these people who are like, I want him to die and I want this person to die. And it's like, just give it a minute. It's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I guess to me, it seems like things have come to a breaking point numerous times and the story just keeps going. Yeah. Because they keep having kids. And every single time someone has a kid, they run and go get Nellie and they say, oh, mom's dying. Your turn. You're up, Nellie. Yeah. And then she comes and gets the kid and raises it every time. <sighs> Is she killing these moms? so she can get access There's a, to There's a Munchausen kids. kind of thing. Well, she didn't on. want Linton. Oh, you're right. And she didn't have access to Isabella, so we know she's cleared for that one at least. That's okay. how we end that chapter with Nellie being really rude about a boy with a terminal illness. <laughs> And then our final chapter for this episode, chapter 24, we learned that after that incident, Nellie actually got very sick. So she was sick for a long time, maybe a month or something. Catherine had been taking care of her and taking care of Edgar, who also had been sick. Mm -hmm. Nellie, once she recovers, she realizes that Catherine has been sneaking out after her and Edgar were in bed to visit Linton at Wuthering Heights. That's bad. It's a big deal. So Catherine tells her about when she went back to visit. She said like, oh, the first time I went, it was because I was worried that I'd killed him by pushing his chair a little bit. (laughs) And when I saw Hareton, who earlier they realized that he didn't know how to read. When she saw him this most recent time, he's like, oh, look, I can read that. And he points to, to this like sign that has his name on it and he reads it. And she's like, okay, do you know what the numbers are? And he's like, no, I don't know those yet. And she laughs at him mm-hmm. and he, it looks like he's thinking, should I laugh too? Or is she making fun of me? And Catherine's like, I was making fun of him. And Nellie scolds her for that and says, hey, if you were raised that way, you also wouldn't be able to read. So quit it. Also, he's your cousin. So it's weird for you to act like this. And Catherine says, oh, well, you know, he deserves it. You'll see. So when she gets in and she's visiting with Linton, Hareton comes in and he's like, you guys need to get out of here. Go sit in the kitchen or something. And the two boys fight and it's weird. 
Linton's yelling stuff like, I'll kill you, I'll kill you. So it's just really dramatic. <laughs> and she eventually leaves. But when she leaves, Hareton like springs out of the darkness and grabs her horse to be like, oh, hey, sorry. But she says she didn't realize, she thought he might be trying to grab her or something. So she like whips like, oh, sorry. him. Sorry, my horse is the same size and color. So I just got it confused. Yeah. But yeah, so she whips him and then goes home. And then she ends up going back and then going home again and going back. And she says like, oh, don't worry. Most of my visits with him are unpleasant. Like I've maybe had three or four enjoyable visits this whole time. He's mostly just whining a lot. And she says, okay, don't, don't tell my dad. Bye. And then Nellie immediately goes and tells her dad. Nobody ever learns. Don't tell Nellie a thing. Yeah. The dad says, look, you can't visit him anymore, but he can come visit us. And then Nellie says, like, if he knew the state his nephew was in, then perhaps he wouldn't have said that. And that's the end of the chapter. Wow. <laughs> got to keep tabs on your nephews. Yep. Don't let them out of your sight. You have got to tell how healthy they are at all times. So that's the end. And we are almost caught up to the present day. So we're in the thick of so it. So that like pale, thin young woman that we saw at the beginning who was like threatening to be a witch to Joseph, that's young Catherine. So we- <laughs> I'll be a witch to you. <laughs> <laughs> so we are almost caught up. What Nellie's describing now probably happened within the last year. It did, yeah. Oh, wow. So we're close. So somehow she's Gosh. gonna fall in love with this sickly brat, marry him. Her dad's gonna die and she's gonna be living at Wuthering Heights and then her young husband dies. Within a year? Yeah, within a year. And then she's stuck at Wuthering Heights with her cousin Hareton and Heathcliff. I can see why there was a weird vibe when Lockwood <laughs> showed up. You think? Yeah. Yeah. I was finally starting to understand why it was so awkward. <laughs> I still don't understand why Heathcliff didn't just send her back to Thrush. I guess he wanted to rent it out. They do talk about how he's very cheap. What's his job? Nobody knows. They don't know how he made his money. Mm. That's one thing that Kathy says to Isabella like way back years ago when Isabella was like, I'm in love with him. I want to marry him. She's like, nobody knows what he's been doing all these years or how he made his money. It's possible that he did something legitimate. It's also possible he's been just doing a bunch of crime. Well, Nellie, I think Nellie's like, you could just ask him and he would tell you, Kathy, if you really want to know. <laughs> I don't think she wanted to know, though. She didn't ask. Wow. Anyway, so that's, I mean, what are you thinking right now, Theo? Do you, is everyone you care about still dead? Are you interested in anyone who's alive? <laughs> Did any of them come back? Yeah. It's hard for me to care as much about the second generation. Well, the first generation's still alive, though. Would you say the same about Pokemon? Yeah, absolutely. Yu-Gi-Oh? Yes. Okay, then sorry. Keep well, naming things that I love sorry, and asking if I don't like the second generation as much. Uh, okay, yes. what about the Red Wall sequels? Is the first one the best? Mm. I don't remember. <laughs> what a cop out. It's been a long time. Okay, let me look them up. I was about to make up an opinion, but then I realized, I mean, you know I what? need to take this seriously. This is a books podcast. Yeah, people are going to want to know how I really feel about the Redwall books. <laughs> yeah. I bet you Mossflower is pretty highly regarded. Is that the first one? I don't think so. Redwall, it looks like, is the first one. Yeah. And then Martin the Warrior. Martin the Warrior, I think, is the fourth one. What is he, a little mouse or something? Yes. <laughs> yes, Jackie, they're little mice. <laughs> Redwall, Mossflower, Matameo, Marielle of Redwall, Salamandastron, Martin the Warrior, the Bellmaker. Whoa. Salamandastron? Yeah. yeah, it's where the badgers lived. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Surely you guys know the war cry. La 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 la. Was that it? I don't know. What is it? The badger war cry? I Yeah, I never knew how to say it. It was something like, hell yay. Hell yay. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eulalia? Yeah, that's what I like to do. <laughs> 
Hell yay. Hell yeah. <laughs> I can't participate. Is that how you said it in your head whenever you read it? Yeah. <laughs> I think is how I said it. But I, I like uh, the idea of someone saying yay, and then I yeah. intensify it by saying <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Jackie, do you want to hear the battle cries from the Red Wall creatures? I, I mean, I I guess. Um, Come on. We got to get to two and a half hours on this recording. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the war cry of the I will the say shrews. that in high school I had in high school I had to memorize and recite some Edgar Allan Poe poem and I chose you Lily. So now I'm I'm just imagining it going along like how Theo said it. Like, while ever to her do you The war cry of the shrews is Laga 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 Lug, by the Ooh. way. Just got to get that in there. I, w- I would have hated this. I'm glad I didn't read it. <laughs> yeah, I love the that. The war cry of Queen Warbeak is Spara Kill 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 E. I don't remember that. Maybe I should say the war cry and have Theo say if he knows it. Galadeep. A sheep. (laughs) It's a guy named Finbar Galadeep. So he basically just says like, he's basically Hodor. He just goes Hodor. Looks like that's what most of these are. Ungat Trun 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 is the war cry of Ungat Trun. The war cry is so nice, he trunned it thrice. What would would Theo's war cry be then? Theo. Chandler, Chandler, Chandler. (laughs) Theo Chandler, Liller. Chandler, Liller. No, Chandler. I don't know. What are you trying to make it part of? What do you mean? Like, what are you modeling Chandler after? <laughs> uh, there are three of things. Oh, no. You know what would actually be a really good war cry is just you put the TH at the end. So it's Eoth and then just say it a lot. Eoth, 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 Eoth. Couldn't you just say Theo, Theo, Theo a lot? <laughs> and then you don't have to end on sounds Theo, the Eoth. You wanted it to be Theoth? Uh, no. You wanted it to be Eoth, Eoth, Eoth. Because the th <laughs> is not a strong enough syllable to start on. You get it's Eoth not a on. strong e- syllable to e- end on. Eoth, Eoth. It should just be Eo, Eo. <laughs> it sounds like you're lisping. <laughs> Sorry. Chandler. <laughs> yeah, there's not much you can do with Chandler. You could do Andlurch and just repeat that. Andlurch, Andlurch, Andlurch. So you just make it pig Latin? And Lurche. And Lurche. And and Lurche. And Lurche. Let's give them blood and vinegar. Why are they all some weird stuff and then one person's like, here's just a normal phrase that a warrior would say? (laughs) Because that one's from Alvin, blood and vinegar. Nice. Oh, because it's all their names. (laughs) No, it says it's from Basil Staghair. Oh, that name is familiar. Basil, perhaps? I don't know if they're British or not. They're British. They gotta be. They've gotta be. It's Brian Jacques. The name like Jacques? (laughs) Yeah. I think it's pronounced Jake's, by the way. Really? Yeah. Mm. Hmm. By the way, Theo, you could marry Brian Jake's granddaughter. Just because she's alive doesn't mean I can marry she's, her. She's <laughs> uh, she's probably around your age. Even then, I mean, she's royalty. Just because a woman is alive and age appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> there are many other things that could stand in our way. I'll nelly you. She did so many things. What what's nellying mean? <laughs> Yeah. Like tattling you'll, to you'll, your dad. You'll tell a story yeah. about me years yeah. later to a stranger. You'll talk about how I'm going to die imminently and how it's going to be great. No, I'll. Uh, what would happen is you would talk about how you're going to die, and I would be like, "Whatever, you're fine." No, he's uh, making himself the Linden the sickly boy, the Linden boy. Well, I'm just the saying Linden that's Linden something boy. Nelly did a lot. Okay, let's end this thing. Yes. Let's put ourselves out of our misery. You allier. That's going to be our new sign-off. EU Allier. EU Allier. EU Allier. So your mispronunciation of something from your childhood. Yeah. 
<laughs> or hell yay, whichever one. Hell yay. <laughs> I thought it was going to be goodbye, we're angels. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Good night. Good night, Good we're night, angels. We're angels. <laughs> How about you, you two can say that and then I'll say hell yay. So we got a little bit of like heaven, hell, good and evil going on. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll okay. say welcome to purgatory. We'll try it out and see what the audience <laughs> thinks. Maybe they want us to say you allier all the time. They probably do. <laughs> I mean, Tristan, if he commands it. He could do it. Okay. Uh, Jackie or Theo, how about one of you does the sign-off stuff? Well, that's been a great episode. Another perfect episode. <laughs> Guys, we love to hear from you. We, we love love, love to... in all of its forms. Um, so please check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Tell them, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, fire the Cannon Pod. Fire the Cannon Pod. Fire the Cannon Podcast. Respectively. Respectively. Our Gmail is firethecannonpodcast at gmail.com. Everything else is Fire the Cannon Pod. Our Instagram, our website, our Twitter bio, our Twitter handle, oops, our bio, bio. Fire the Cannon Pod. Every tweet we do, Fire the Cannon Pod. And we also have a new patron to thank. We would like to thank our newest patron, Ross. Ross. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ross. Can we harmonize that? No, Ross. I never want to do this. Yeah, nice octave. He says, I never want to do this. <laughs> so as a composer, there are two things you don't want to do. Write music and Writes harmonize. Music and sing music, yeah. yeah. Especially harmonizing with your friends. Oh, my God. Yeah. How humiliating. Keep it professional. I like to keep my professional <laughs> yeah. life and my podcasting life. I don't know. I guess this is also a professional life. Yeah. Yeah, we do get paid a little tiny, tiny, tiny bit. Yeah. Well, now we get paid enough that we have to file taxes, thanks to Ross. So <laughs> Ross was my sophomore year um, poetry professor at UNC, and he still does that. Now. Still teaches Jackie poetry to this day. She still hasn't <laughs> learned. <laughs> yeah. Is this a poem? <laughs> no. That's a bean. <laughs> that's a piece of chewed gum. Yet again, that's that's a rock. That's a garbage bag full of Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> yep, she's still not getting it. You know, if you but I hear if you go into the middle of the garbage bag, that's where the poems are. Oh, delectable. Um, oh wait, wait, wait. Yeah, is this no. a poem? Hmm? No, it's a pile of dead rabbits. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Unluckily for you, strange choice for a poem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty strange. <laughs> uh, but no, so uh, Ross uh, is and was a great teacher and um, also a very good poet. So check him out. When when you said the thing about an interesting choice for a poem, mm -hmm. then I picture you like flipping through an anthology and then you turn one page and it's just a pile of dead rabbits, just like, falling like out. Book. <laughs> it's like a pop-up book and it opens up and oh, interesting choice and then yeah. you flip the page and keep yeah. going or like you're at a poetry slam or something and like you know the first <laughs> couple people get up and go to the mic and then the second person just goes up and like drops a dead rabbit <laughs> unluckily for all of you <laughs> I don't know what a poem is <laughs> <laughs> I both don't know what a poem is and I'm very bad at guessing. So here you go. <laughs> you know, I kind of just figure it by law of averages or something, right? Like eventually I'm going to hit on a poem if I just like try everything. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm picturing you're sitting in the audience and like five people have gone before you and you're starting to get nervous. Like they're doing things that are very different than what I brought. <laughs> I don't know if mine's going to come off very well. <laughs> Who's got two thumbs? A pile of dead rabbits and doesn't know what a poem is. 
This guy. This guy. It's a classic <laughs> joke format. It's true. And it, it'll save any any faux pas. Like anytime you're on stage and you have a big faux pas like that, like bringing up a pile of dead rabbits. Like a like a fake Perfect. Like a fake paw. Ooh. Yeah. Well, wordplay, you know. Yeah, I, I love I love this idea of not knowing what a poem is. You know, because yeah. what is a poem, really? What is a poem but a pile of dead rabbits? Write a piece about that. In the form of words. Oh, my God, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember in high school one time somebody was, like, making some type of comment about how can you listen to dubstep? That's not music or something. And then this <gasps> guy, like, passionately tore a little corner off of his styrofoam lunch tray in the cafeteria and said, how can you say that's not music? And then he, like, rubbed the styrofoam together and he said, that. That's music. <laughs> that's music. Right. You just say, like, anything is music if you say it is. Even the <laughs> shitty sound I just made is music, so yeah. dubstep can be too. <laughs> yeah. No, that's what I call music 45. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a good argument. That's, he's basically saying, like, I know dubstep is terrible, but, like, if this is music, dubstep can be music. <laughs> I'll just, I'll never forget just like the frantic, like looking around, like trying to find anything that could be an instrument. Can't do yeah. it. Tears his own tray apart and is like, there it is. It's like really hoping there's like a violin laying around, but. It's like the green beans are just leaking off the plate now. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so did we thank Ross? Yeah. Not very okay. well. Consider yourself thanked. He seems like a really cool guy. That's all I'm going to say about him. Well, actually, I'll also say he's nice and friendly <laughs> from what I've seen. He's the opposite of Heathcliff. Ooh. Yes. Rachel's good at antonyms. He also has a podcast. Check out Trivia Escape Pod. Yeah. Yeah. Very fun. And Rachel and I guested on that, and our episode will be coming out soon. So if you just want more me and Rachel content, check that out. Yeah. Um, Sam but if Steel. you don't want to listen to our episode, that's fine as well. There's many, many, many episodes that we are not even involved with a tiny mm -hmm. bit. Trivia Escape Pod. It was a nice experience. I'm excited to listen to it. Nice. It was a nice, cool, friendly experience. Very chill. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're looking for more Theo content, I also have another mm -hmm. podcast. Don't groan. Actually, that wasn't such a groan. What was that? It was a little like. Yeah, it was just like tension, yeah. I felt. Um, yeah, I have another, I have a podcast. Don't have tension. <laughs> hey, I have a podcast. The sexual tension you could just cut with a knife. Ooh, Ooh. no, that's not true. No, no, no. He's like, <laughs> wait a second. It's like, yeah, no. <laughs> that didn't happen. No. Um, Can't yes and that. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a podcast called Inside the Mind of a Child Genius where we read stories that people wrote as children and we laugh at them. And I do it with my cousin Joseph and it comes out on the 1th, 10th, and 20th of the month so listen up to that thanks i, I love how he says where people wrote things or, or we read things that people wrote as children and like 99 percent of the time that it's the <laughs> he's 99 percent of the people once we get an audience then people will send us stuff i think but currently we yeah. don't have an audience but <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there just keep constantly plugging it in our podcast <laughs> <laughs> I think I do it like every 10 episodes, okay? So a chill. There's no way. Wrong. Definitely Check the wrong. tapes. You Check might the edit tapes. them out occasionally. Yeah. But you definitely, while we're recording, plug it pretty frequently. No, I don't. But that's okay. We're not complaining. It's just definitely well, we're more than every as a joke. That means you've only plugged it like four times. Yeah, there's no way. I think that's true. No. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed Fire the Cannon. <laughs> Good night. We're angels. <laughs> Um, Jackie? Good night. We're angels. Hell yay. How about this? I'll say Bye now. hell yay to Rachel and hell yay to Jackie. Thank you. That's our new sign off. And also with you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.